Good day, my friends. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm extremely, extremely excited to present to you one of the most prolific heavy metal, thrash metal guitarists of all time, one of the founding members of Exodus, and a guy who did almost a 10-year stint in Slayer, who I had the privilege of watching three times during their final two-year campaign before they retired. Mr. Gary Holt, a.k.a. Officer Holt, a.k.a. Gary fucking Holt. And we talked about a bunch of stuff today, some general questions about his time in Slayer and the new Exodus that's coming out, some of his experiences in the music industry playing all these years as well as uh, getting into some technical information about guitar playing, equipment, amps, learning guitar. And uh, it was a pretty good uh, conversation that I think you're going to enjoy if you're a fan of music or a fan of Gary Holt. So give it a listen. Hopefully you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, Please, as always, hit us up with a like and a review and a subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on YouTube. All those likes and subscribes help us out a lot. So we really appreciate it. And this podcast is brought to you by Soltara Healing Center, Shipibo Ayahuasca Retreat Center in Costa Rica. If you feel called to work with this amazing Amazonian plant medicine, then please do hit us up. We're on social media at Soltara Healing Center. We are also on our website at soltara.co. Or if you prefer to speak in person, you can just give us a call at 1-800-397-1730. Thank you again so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the legendary Gary Holt. Gary Holt. What's up, Daniel? How you doing, dude? Doing awesome, man. Super happy to see you. Um, yeah, it's been a while. We met at the final Slayer concert. I saw you guys yeah, three yeah. times on that final leg. And I uh, had to make sure I got for the got for the last show there, do the meet and greet, got to meet all you badasses. That was a fucking emotional night. It was, man. It was for Good me, least. too. It's like uh, the crazy thing is this last, the one-year anniversary of that show, like, you know, because we kind of all went our own ways and barely, like, speak, and it's not because we don't speak to each other. We just, you know, the world kind of ended. And, um, but that day everybody was like, man, I miss you. Appreciate you. <laughs> like, you know, all fucking emotional about the one year anniversary of the final show, you know? Yeah, I guess, I guess, man. Yeah. The, uh, after the show, you know, so the, the final show was in, uh, in, in LA at the forum. And so I flew up from Costa Rica to that show. And the next day I was flying back. And I, you know, I had to spend a few hours in the airport and, you know, I was wearing my Slayer sweater that I, I got the night before, right? I got all the swag with the VIP package and uh, yeah, yeah. everybody, like there were so many guys in the airport who were wearing Slayer gear, right? Or, or who weren't, but who saw me wearing it. And like, anytime someone would walk by, they'd be like, fuck it, Slayer. <laughs> yeah. That happens a lot. <laughs> But there were a lot of people who flew in for that show. So I can only imagine, like, for a lot of people leaving it from the airport, you know, and I flew home the next day, too. So there's a lot of that as well. Um, you know, a lot of people, like, converging on the L.A. area airports and flying home, it kind of had a vibe like a European festival, which, you know, you know, we've flown in and out of a million of them. And the next day you see all the people with their camping gear all leaving. Maybe they weren't camping, but a lot of people came from everywhere for that show. Mass exodus. Exodus. Yeah. 
man also uh that show so one of my one of my mentors who i've known for uh well i guess since 2013 uh a guy named boyd willett who lives in venice beach he's like he he came down to drink ayahuasca with me when for his 70th birthday in the jungle down in like colombia and peru and uh and then for his 71st birthday came down to travel with me in uh brazil and it was supposed to be an ayahuasca uh trip as well but we ended up just couldn't he showed up late so that didn't work out so we ended up just walking around on the beach uh on lsd but um this guy's this guy's an absolute legend and so i invited him to come to that show right the final slayer show and so at that point you know he's 76 i think and he failed to tell me that like 12 days before the show he got hip surgery so he shows up he shows up at the show with a walker and he wanted to get right in the middle of the mosh pit so i'm like i'm like his secret service agent like protecting him from all these insane slayer fans in the middle of the mosh pit as he's like pacing around with this walker it was uh it was definitely you know, you know when it comes to down in the pit when people know there's someone with uh certain limitations or whatever down there they will absolutely bodyguard for them as well i mean i've got i've seen video of someone with their blind friend in the pit and everybody like was creating kind of a, a safe zone so this blind kid could like run around in the pit you know for a show we can't see and you know we've all seen the wheelchairs wheelchair crowd surfers you know over the years it's awesome i love it especially when you're 70 what's that especially if you're 76 <laughs> it's awesome yeah not a lot of uh not a lot of old guys like that i'm sure but um I mean, one thing a lot of people don't understand about the metal community is that the the guys are really nice. Like when, when we all get together and we throw down and when we have a great, you know, show and it's a little bit violent in the pit and everything, but it's a super tight community and people are really nice to each other. Yeah, they don't get it. You know, they think it's just all like violence and the worst bunch of people you can be around. They're the nicest bunch of people and they will absolutely pick you up every time. If you go down, no one's going to trample over you. No one's fighting. No one's throwing punches. It's a healthy, genuine release of like energy that's being given to them from the stage. And we get it right back. You know, like the rowdier the crowd, the rowdier we are, you know, and it's just this big circle of energy and it's awesome. You know, I miss it. I fucking miss it so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, all you guys, like all you guys, professional musicians who spend your life touring basically got screwed over in 2020 right like and you were actually out on tour when shit hit the fan basically what uh how was that for you we you know well the tour was great it was awesome my first real tour back with exodus in many years you know and everyone the welcome back i got was phenomenal um it was you know us testament and death angel three bay area bands you know the uh, you know, the bass strikes back was the name of the tour. And um, it was awesome. And if the tour had started two weeks later, it had been financially ruinous for all of us. You know, we had two weeks later, we had half the tour and all the merchandise you've ordered. I mean, I know countless people who had tours coming up and they've already printed all the merchandise for the tour with a bunch of tour dates on the back that aren't ever going to happen. And the merchandise is just racks. At that point, you know, so we came home and flew home March 12th, the morning of the airline airport being shut down that night. So it was kind of hairy getting home. And then we came home and about 25 of us got COVID, you know, myself included. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, the was, was awesome. <laughs> I was actually, uh, I was up um, with uh, machine head just at the end of february too like I, f I flew back to costa rica i uh i went up to uh to hang out with logan and you know hung out with those guys backstage had a fantastic show they're one of the bands that got shafted because they had tour dates planned 
like all year long, the world tour, the European tour, the Australian leg, but, uh, it's a real shame. So how was like, what happened after you got COVID, you got back and, and just kind of chilled out for a bit and. Well, I, I got home and, you know, I started feeling kind of shitty when I got in the car to go home, you know, like felt fine on the flight, you know, had like a, you know, two, two hour plus drive home, you know, so, you know I got a car service to pick me up and, and I'm like, I don't feel so good, you know, like kind of like uh, doing that. And I ended up getting sick. I was sick as hell, you know, I mean, lost 16 pounds in two weeks and couldn't eat and everything stunk like garlic powder to me. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about the, they couldn't smell at all. Everything smelled like fucking garlic powder to the point where I'm, I'm trying to eat anything just to not starve to death. And I told my wife, you know, no more garlic powder though, please. She said, I haven't put any on anything. It's just, everything smelled. Maybe it's kind of sinus infection going on or something, but it was awful. It was really bad. Could have been worse, but you know, bad it sucked how many uh how many musicians do you know who got sick that year well just on that tour myself will carroll from death angel he was got it like horribly bad he was in a coma on a respirator you know for like two weeks damn chuck billy got it his wife got it who's also works on the tour with them a uh, bunch of the crew guys steve giorgio the bass player for um testament got it you know and who knows how many people had it and were asymptomatic the whole time i'm the only guy in exodus that tested positive and we all shared the same enclosed environment the whole time you know drinking together whatever so you were saying today that you got the vaccine today so you're 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 fully vaccinated well i got the first half you know actually let me take that off <laughs> i got uh the 28th i gotta get part two and then and then what's your plan with uh with exodus you were saying that that you guys are trying to get out on tour later if you get more people with vaccinations i guess yeah that's our plan the album's going to come out in november we got some things that led to us delaying it plus you know putting it out in the summer which was the original plan you know, when we can't go tour, we have a full European summer tour book, but every can't festival one by one is canceled. And all it takes is enough of them to cancel. Even if half of them say, oh, we're still on, come over. Well, we've just lost half our guarantees. How can we afford it? Right. And now due to some festivals, canceling, we're supposed to have like five days off and pay for a bus the whole time and everything. You just can't do it financially. So we're going to wait. You know, there's other things going on with the band that require us to have some more time off. And I'm still dealing with my elbows, which are a nightmare. So, you know, I can't even play guitar really right now. It's really? Fucking depressing. Yeah, you know, you got world's worst case of tennis elbow in both arms. You know, and I have for like three and a half years, but, you know, I'm sw trying to like do it right without nonstop cortisone injections, you know, which... I've had so many, I couldn't tell you how many I've had. Is that just from thrashing so hard over the years? Yeah, I mean, other people do it and don't have the same thing, but it's just you end up with that, you know, tendon right there. And this arm shredded. You know, I had the MRI and it sounded horrible. Um, you know, like two complete ligament tears and a near complete tendon tear. But I have a friend who's a San Francisco Giants team surgeon and so I bypassed my normal orthopedic guy, and I went to these guys who repair much more valuable arms than mine. And two of them said, I don't need surgery, but I need aggressive rehab and physical therapy. No more shots, he said. It's just not good for you, and I know that. But, you know, all the years with Slayer, we're going, going, going. You know, I had to keep playing that shit. It's just not easy to fucking play. And uh, so, you know, just stick another needle in it. You know, Stick a needle in it. Have you ever thought of stem cell therapy? You know, I, I looked into it. My new doctor, he says, um, if nothing else works, um, to try that and also the, the PRP therapy. But right now, he just says I need, need to strengthen it, toughen it up, and, and work on it. So I'm waiting for my first PT appointment. Cool, man. Well, I know... 
I know, uh, I know one really good place in Colombia. It's called Bio Accelerator, and I know they're uh-huh. like it's it's good for a lot of MMA guys go down there and others other pro athletes who really thrash their joints go down there. I also know another place here in Costa Rica. Shit's depressing, you know. You're a guitar player. It's what you've done your whole life, and like it hurts to play. I mean, I could. I'm feel some days. I feel better. I'm feeling better than I did a couple of weeks ago because I like literally almost sleep 24 hours a day with these things on, you know. And it takes the pressure off that end, and it actually feels a lot better. But um, hopefully by the time the album comes out, you know, I'll be strong, full strength, ready to go. Anything else you do to keep yourself? in in good shape for the for the high exertion performances that you guys put on well prior to the non-stop elbow problems i the only thing i ever wanted to do for exercise is play basketball i like it i'm good at it when i can when i have working elbows you know and it's a good workout and you know the key to any workout is to enjoy it and i love playing basketball so um i'd love to be able to be hit the court again be so awesome. you don't do like any weightlifting or anything like that on tours I did before the elbows yeah i was lifting weights like my arms are shriveled up compared to where i was getting and so get bummed out about that too like skinny arms big belly <laughs> but where i live now is a lot of a lot of walking involved my mailbox is a quarter mile away up and down hills <laughs> and i'm like i'll take a little it's just a minor mild hike but it's not mild when you get to the mailbox and you got a 20 pound box in it and you got to bring it back. <laughs> that shit happens to me all the time. Sure. So, um, I wanted to ask you kind of like a few, uh, kind of general Slayer Exodus tour questions. And then I wanted to ask you a few kind of, you know, technical musical questions for like budding musicians um, yeah, no problem. Me and uh, you know Jesse, my producer here, we're we're just getting back into music uh, after 15 years of kind of living our own lives in different places, and uh, yeah, so yeah. you know we're really enjoying it. We're trying to actually maybe do something with it. I don't know, but yeah, sure. So uh, so you you played with Slayer for nine years, right after the unfortunate almost ten. The unfortunate. Yeah, just, um, what's that? Sorry. A couple months shy of 10, 10 years. Yeah. So what was what was it like to join Slayer and and become like one of the two lead guitarists and play those insane shows for t- almost ten years? Well, you know, it was awesome. You know, it happened at a time when they needed some help. And it also happened at a time that I was going to take like six months off because Exodus had been going nonstop. And um, I didn't get a break. <laughs> Just kept going from there. But it was awesome. People like say, oh, wow, you must have been like stoked. But no, they don't get it. I've known these guys since I was a kid. These are old friends. It's not like a, a fanboy moment. It was just like, cool. I got to play in another band where I had one defined role and that was like, stunt guitarist hired gun you know so i'd go out there and you know people don't understand when they give you in slayer when you're do, covering all of jeff solos but they give you free reign to do what you want to do it's a real guitar hero moment because there's a lot of goddamn guitar lead guitar in those songs especially jeff tons tons so, so i'd go out there and like it'd be like a six minute song i swear i'm soloing it felt like i was soloing two minutes of it you know so it was cool. You got to just go out and shred. I didn't have any of the responsibilities I have in Exodus as like, you know, the so-called band leader or whatever. Just like point me to the stage, you know, when I get off stage, hand me a beer. And it was, it was fun. And I love those guys. They're family, you know, 2.0. Exodus always being family one. Right on. Um so have you heard, have you heard, uh, do you think Slayer will ever play live again or was that done and dusted? I do not think they will ever play live again. If they call me, you know, it's like, let's do it. You know, but I think the band is firm in its belief that when you call it done, it's done. You know, and of course everybody scoffs at that and they doubt it, you know, look at Molly Crew. 
you know, they like signed a contract stating they wouldn't and then blew the contract up in a grand show that we're back, you know, of course you're back, you know, they're touring in uh, Miami next month. What's that? They're playing in Miami next month. Motley Crue. No shit. Yeah. Wow. But, um, you know, never say never, but I can only speak for myself. I know Tom and Carrie, the two principals, you know, they, they're, and that the band is done and so to my knowledge there will never be another Slayer show so you did see the last one and an honor it was do you uh have you heard anything about Carrie's new band I've read some stuff online that he's working with Paul Bosta nothing you know I, I know he's gonna do something with Paul but obviously the pandemic is like put the brakes on that you know um but you know I will only ch- chat every now and then you know like um so I'm sure Carrie's got a ton of material ready to record. So, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing it. You don't have any plans to collaborate with Carrie to date? No. New Exodus album is a fucking career-defining moment. <laughs> I'm telling you, this album is a fucking monster. So good. So talk about the new album then, the new Exodus album. What what uh, What's on the menu? Well, once it comes out, we're just, you know, full on onslaught when we can onslaught away, you know, right now we can't do shit. The record label collectively shit their pants when they heard it and everybody's throwing everything they got into it. I mean, there's not a track on it that isn't good enough to be any album's number one track. It's fucking that good. You know, and Tom Honey, my drummer and I, we like gathered up in the mountains at his house and we jam just him and I in a room, you know, old school, half stack and a drum kit. And then we shipped in an entire recording studio and recorded there in the mountains, you know, and, like, and uh, you know, we're a band that still enjoy each other's company. So all of us living together in a couple of houses and, and working around the clock, you know, it works for us. We always do it that way. And, um, you know, we just, it's like summer camp for us. We call it jam camp. Awesome. That's sad to see it end, you know. Um, do you think you'll write more albums with with Exodus? After oh, this? absolutely. I mean, if my arms weren't so beat right now with the pandemic and all, my goal was like, all right, get my studio at the new house finished and um and start writing, just get a big jump, you know, on because I got a tons of material. Tons of stuff that didn't even get used for the album. And uh, it's not because it wasn't good enough. I just, you know, I get sidetracked. You know, I get something new I'm working on and I stop working on other shit because that's where my head is at that moment. It's like I'm focused. And uh, so I was, you know, like, let's get the next album ready to go. And uh, but I got to get my el- elbows ready to go first. Right on. Um so you guys are touring this summer. Do you, if possible, or, or you said you're touring this summer or in November? This summer, if possible, yeah. That's okay. the plan. But I don't think it's going to happen because, like I said, all these festivals in Europe are dropping out one by one. Top top three favorite bands to tour with? Uh, that's a hard one, only because it's probably, there's like, probably about five and i always say there's a short list of bands that i would be happy if the rest of my life i never toured with anyone else i don't give a fuck who they are just put us on these tours together all of us too too much fun it should be illegal you know like death angel obituary uh municipal ways power trip rest in peace riley gale uh sepultura um who am i forgetting there's like a bunch of them you know these guys you know goat whore you know they're all my best friends these dudes you know so and when we tour together it's just laughs non-stop you know they you know like stage is too small fuck it let's all share a drum set you know no one ever like well i'm not striking my drums you know you know we just have fun it's awesome has has the scene changed a lot from like the 90s the 80s 90s when you guys were just coming up to what it is today in terms of like touring and playing and the shows and everything yeah i mean the scene's different in the 80s you know it was a new scene it was the birth of a scene you know so 
that that can never be replicated. But uh, the scene now is pretty killer. You know, it feels like there's a lot of similarities to the 80s. You know, it's really underground, although not like it was there. You know, you could still, now you can get the most extreme music on earth on, you know, and iTunes. <laughs> then, you know, Bonded by Blood's cover was too uh, extreme and to carry it in a regular record store, you know. But there's a million great bands out there just really killer, killer dudes making awesome music. You know? It's awesome. And, you know, I'm, I feel honored when one of them says Exodus is an influence on me. You know, there's some guys out there doing shit that I'm like, damn, I, really, I can't do that. That dude is sick. <laughs> do you still party like you used to, like you and the guys back in the day? Um. Right at this very moment, I'm sober. I did, you know, COVID was getting to me. I realized you know, my beer consumption had gotten really high, but like my party party level has been minimal for years. You know, like I drink beer, I love beer. Be on tour with Slayer, we have a great show. We do a little toast to some Jaeger but I do these little baby shots. You know, like it's more more. Um, you know, it's just a celebratory gesture more than real drinking. And I try to avoid ever having a hangover anymore, you know, but, um, through the pandemic, it's like, all right, yeah, I can put away six, seven beers, no problem. But I'm also drink, buying beers that are like 11% alcohol. <laughs> so that's like putting away like 10 beers or something else. And so I decided to quit drinking for a while. Do you uh, do you see any other bands going as hard as they did like back in the kind of Pantera day, you know, when it was just all about getting wasted and moshing and throwing down and taking drugs and all that kind of stuff? The scene in the 80s can't be replicated. You know, that was the birth of a, a genre, you know, it's a special time, you know. But right now, you know, there's so many killer bands and playing sick music and killer guitar players. I mean guys doing shit with every finger on their hands and their feet included. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how to do that shit. I'm, I'm a Neanderthal guitar player, but I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, but you know, I'm in awe of what some of these people are able to do. Any, uh, any new, uh, great new metal bands to keep an eye on right now that you got your eye on? Not really. I mean, there's a lot of great bands out there, you know, and I'll check them out. But mostly I just sit around and I, I'm happy if I listen to nothing but Rainbow and UFO for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, plus I'm on an album and, you know, even the mixing process. We only finalized the final mix like a month ago. And when I'm working on something on my own, I kind of get tunnel vision. and I don't want to listen to anything else. You know, I don't want undue influence creeping in you know i want to just focus on what i'm doing i'm totally the same way man i find it really hard to get into new bands i pretty much still just listen to like all the old bands that i've been listening to for for 20 years you know yeah i mean the bands i love you know you know if i called them new you'd go they've been around for 20 years you know arch enemy and stuff like that you know they're not new as far as brand new bands i don't know um you know, even the ones I would think of aren't that new anymore. But there's some young thrash bands that are kick-ass, like Lost Society from Finland or Badass. So what's going to happen to the scene when guys like you and Carrie and Cannibal Corpse and all these guys who've been in the game for like 30-plus years, when, what happens when you guys retire? Where does the metal scene go? Uh, there'll be someone left to take it, take it over and uh, wave the banner. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about that. But I got lots of years left in me. I'm not done. <laughs> That's good to hear. I don't know sure. how to do anything else. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would be happy to hear that. Yeah, it's what I do, you know. So uh, so most of the people I know, and basically everybody I know except for, like, my best friends from from back in the day, do not listen to metal, nor do they understand it. They don't really like it. They think it's aggressive. They don't like the screaming. They don't like the, the, uh, the high energy. Why do you think metalheads love metal so much? Why do metalheads love metal? I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, it's just 
something appeals to them. You know, you know, some people still love guitars. I love guitars. You know, that's what I want to listen to is guitar players. You know, um, I want to listen to crunchy riffs. I want to listen to aggressive shit. I want to hear drums pummeling, you know. And, you know, as far as like, you know, we all have those friends who don't like metal. But over the years, so many times I've encountered someone who got dragged to a show, you know. And when you get dragged to the right metal show, it might not make you go home and buy the album. But they leave and they go, holy shit, that was crazy. Never seen anything like it, you know. Like, you know, you bring someone who's not into metal at the the fucking fire fest that is a the final Slayer shows, you know. That, that's pretty impressive, even if you don't like the music, you know. Yeah, it's, damn, it's pretty hard to not be impressed when you see a production like that. Yeah, you see it live; it's something else, you know. Like I said, you might not go home and and buy Hell Awaits, but you know. People are like, they'll get into it, you know, especially if they're under the influence of the correct <laughs> substances, <laughs> whatever that may be, you know, they can find a way to like it. Right on. A few, a few uh, technical questions. Yeah. So um, I've heard you say you use the Kirk Hammett wah. I've also got that. Um, any, uh, any tricks? For guitar players to keep in mind on how to make the best use of a wah pedal? Um, for starters, I've used the Kirk wah a lot with Slayer because Carrie already uses the Zach Wild Dunlop. And, you know, I don't want the exact same wah sound. And, you know, I like Kirk's pedal a lot. I, I switched back and forth for wahs quite a lot. Towards the last two, three years in Slayer, I was using the Jerry Cantrell. It's really good. But, you know, I use it just kind of like almost as a treble boost, you know, when I'm going up high, you know, and playing something fast and getting the screaming notes and just increasing that treble on it until it's just biting you in the head, you know. I don't use it as much for the 70s wham, wham, wham kind of style like Kirk does. He, he loves it for that. I kind of use it just to, like, fine-tune frequencies on the fly for whatever I'm playing to, like, bring the note out the way I want, you know, and it works for me, you know. The new album I used wall once on the whole record. It's like funny, you know. Just, just wasn't. I didn't feel like forcing it in where I didn't want it. So there's one solo that has a wall pedal on it, and I, I didn't realize till the album's done that I barely touched. So more it. motion is not always better with the wall. Sometimes it's better to just kind of find the groove and 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 leave it sit. Yeah, I mean, listen to Mike Amott from Arch Enemy. He's the master at it. He has the greatest wall tone ever that's ever existed on, uh, on this planet and the emotion he brings out with it and the tone, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it's less about motion and more about emotion. I guess it's a go. good way to put it. I've also heard you use uh, angle amps from time to time. I've also got one of those, not by choice, but because it was the only one I could find in Costa Rica, but it fucking crushes. Uh, now they're a killer amp. I still have mine and I love it, but I've, since joining Slayer, I've I rediscovered my love of Marshalls, which I never lost. I used Marshalls for years and, you know, like on Temple of the Damned, you know, it's one of the best guitar sounds I ever did. That's just straight into one of my modded Marshalls. But they are like, they're priceless to me and they're 30 plus years old and they're delicate, you know, and uh, so they're retired. And um, so I, I, you know, I use a PV triple X for a while, which is a killer amp. Then I discovered the angle and I used the Savage 120 for a long time and still have them. But now I'm either using Marshall or I'm using a Kemper with a profile of my Marshall. You know? So now actually I have the sound of my modded Marshall on a thumb drive, you know, so it's killer, you know, carry it anywhere I want and just oh, drop it in. You don't use any pedals, any like overdrive pedals, metal zone, anything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like um i use a lot of pedals i i love pedals stomp boxes you know i'm a junkie i've got so many fucking stomp boxes you know tube screamers all a classic you know boss super overdrive i've been using since i was like 20 years old i have my uh proton pedals a uh, signature uh parametric mid boost pedal which is rules and i got my uh 
her Hammett signature pedal, which is a combination kind of a, a tube screamer and a parametric EQ. So it's got both in one. It's amazing. And, you know, I just love anything that kicks the front of the amp right in the input. You know, it does cool things. You know, it's like classic rock guitar players. You know, they weren't using racks of like rack mounted effects. They were using fucking flangers and all that shit right in the front of the amp. And uh, it does cool stuff, you know, and interacts with you and playing better. But you never, you, like you wouldn't just plug straight into the amp and, uh, and, and play like that. There's always something, there's always something kicking up the drive. I'll go straight in. If the amp's capable of it, I'll go straight in. But even a really great amp straight in, like the Engel Savage 120, I'll like put a little something like, you know, like a little like EQ, parametric EQ in the front because I like to tailor the mids the way most amps don't, don't allow you to do it. You know, I want to be able to wah pedal frequency that, you know, that. And that's where the aggression. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Did I see that you have your own kind of pedal to boost the mid range? Yeah, yeah, that's the Protons pedal. Okay, right on. That's awesome. You know, it's basically a single band. It's a mid band parametric. You know, like you know, because I only want that mid band because then I can dial in that super aggressive attacking mid-range almost like you have a wah pedal and it's fucking awesome i've been running that or a version of for years awesome right shit. On. best guitars for low tuned metal best guitars yeah. for low tuned metal depends on how low the like tuning you're talking about uh, soulfly kind of b a c stuff well you want something with some scale to it you know um i'm not a fan of long scale guitars you know i, I like less pauls you know i want that shorter scale you know and like so yeah these guys playing the b stuff like slayer had the, some of the songs in b and i used uh, my esp richard z model because it's like the strat scale 25 and a half versus 24 and three quarters so it's a little bit tighter you know but um it's a little lower than I like to do. Exodus, our lowest is like a drop C. And uh, works fine. You throw a big 60 on the E string, you know, something fat. It works perfectly. And now you got these guys with these like multi-scale eight-string guitars. And they're up there like this. It's not that. <laughs> it's cool. I like it. But it's not what I want to do, you know. Those guys on those tunings with those guitars, they can't hit chords, you know. If you hit a big, just an open G chord, it's, it doesn't sound right because the whole sound is designed to play single notes and, you know, like that. I'm a rock guitar player who happens to play really fast songs, you know. Like I have more in common with Angus Young than I do these, like, you know, these fantastic players, but, you know, they're up there on these eight-string guitars. You know? That's like playing cello to me. I don't get it. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a Warlock. I bought a, I bought a Warlock recently, the Warlock Extreme. So it's a six string, and it's got a twenty-five and a half inch scale. And I, I think I've got like right now, I've got a sixty-four on the top. Um, well, I guess it would be the bottom string, right? But on the six string, and yeah. um, that sounds awesome. It's got a couple of Fishman pickups in it. That sounds awesome. And then I also got a, a seven string uh, Jackson Warrior by it's this Dave Davidson from Revocation Signature model. And um, that sounds that sounds pretty good, too. I'm going to Miami on Sunday and I'm going to maybe hunt for for one more guitar to out of the equation. So I was just kind of wondering, you know, I was trying to find a paddle, Brian. Uh, uh, Junior V, BC Rich Junior V. You know Pat O'Brien. You've met Pat probably, right? From <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, in, he's in a little trouble right now, but <laughs> yeah, no, I mean he's in a little trouble. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of great guitars out there. You know, I'm like I'm kind of a collector. I'm kind of a hoarder. I've got a lot of fucking guitars. And um, I just just acquired a seven string. I don't even play seven strings, but it's fucking badass. So. I have it yeah. right here. You want to see it? I just got this thing here. Ibanez? 
Carillion. It's it's number three of ten made. It's their ten year anniversary Ooh, model. Nice. That's beautiful. I mean, look at all the wood. That's crazy. I mean, the fretboard is some I forgot what kind of wood it is, but it's bound in ebony and it's it's gnarly. But the guy who traded to me, he just got a new one from the same company. They kind of made this one expendable. It's made out of a fifty three hundred year old bog oak. Yep. Yeah, it's made out of wood that's older than the pyramids. It's that's not crazy, right? <laughs> I need that guitar. So yeah, I'm always I'm always looking for something cool and different, you know. What's um what's the point of having the seven or eight strings? Like is it to go super low and then also go super high? No, it's more for the going low, you know, because most of them have the same amount of frets, but, you know, they got these really long scales, you know, like you get these like, like that guitar, I'm not sure what the scale is, but it's longer than, you know, a 25 and a half, probably like 26 and something, you know, to keep those low strings right. tight. But what I don't like about them is then all my high strings are too tight. You know, I already, as it is on my guitars, I use a, a combination of like, 52s on the wound strings, but then I use nines because, you know, I want them nice and slinky and bendy, you know, especially when your elbows hurt. <laughs> you don't want to fight the guitar, you know? Right. Any, uh, any tricks or hacks to learn and write guitar solos on those high strings? Any tricks to it? I know, dude, I know like fucking six licks. <laughs> It's all about how you can manage to work them together, you know, going up, going down, whatever, you know, and certain things are easier for me than others, you know, like, um, you know, I know guitar players who don't use their, their little finger at all. I use it all the time, but I'm not good using it with these two, you know, like this, this, and this, I go like that all day long. Those three fingers, it's a little tougher with those two together. I can do it, you know, but um, I'll just try to skip around that. Everybody's got their cheats. Everybody's got their tricks, you know. But I, I, I'm not a guy who's a, you know, I'm not an encyclopedia of guitar knowledge. You know, it's other guys who you see online, and some of them I follow. They're just fucking phenomenal. And I watch their little Instagram videos, and I'm trying to cop shit, and I'm screenshotting the tablature that they're showing to the lick they're doing. But when I get lazy, I never bother to look it up, you know. I'm stuck in my ways. So just get good at the pentatonic scales and then mix it up. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know, I, I love my harmonic minor and all that shit as much as anything. I, I always say the pentatonic scale is the first you'll ever learn. It's the last you'll ever master. You listen to a really good guy player, like you listen to Zach Wilde, what he does with it. It's in fucking insane. It's crazy, you know, or even like, you know, some killer guitar players like Joe Bonamassa, you know, what they're able to do in that pentatonic box, you know, it's like, it's hard, you know, it's like, you know, stuff that I didn't start really trying to learn for the last three or so years, you know, how they get around the fretboard doing it, you know? What do you make of YouTube and all these tutorials that you can get nowadays for free, just ubiquitously? What do you, what do you make of YouTube and all the and all the tutorials and guitar training channels that you can find now just ubiquitously? Like, I think it's awesome. You know, you'd be shocked at how many of them I visited whenever you know, like Carrie said, would say, you know, well, we got to learn this new Slayer song. You know, first thing I always do when I'm learning a new Slayer song is I don't try to learn it and play it. I listen to it. I got to know by memory where the parts are before I know the notes. You know, if you're not familiar with the arrangement, you're kind of, you're trying to learn it too soon. And then uh, I'd sit there, if it's tricky, I'd go to YouTube and like, I'd find some kid sitting in his room who got it down perfectly and I'd watch him play, you know? And you, you learn to pick out where they're doing shit wrong or where they're doing it right. The same with tablature, you look it up online, but it's a huge help. Yeah, it's uh it's good for all musicians, I think. You know, my buddy Jesse here, he's watching all kinds of YouTube videos for drummers and picking up new stuff. And yeah, it's like, 
it's awesome. I mean, I didn't have that when I was when I was young. I didn't have that when I was sort of old. <laughs> I had to get old before that shit was available. But yeah, yeah, there's a wealth of knowledge right there. Click away. You know, it's cool. All right, brother. Last question: What does a band these days need to do to get off the ground? That's another hard question. I mean, first thing you got to have a product. You got to like, you got to play some music that has something to it. You know, even if your influences are right on your sleeve, you know, it's got to have something to it that's special, you know, but that's not saying that there aren't a lot of bands that have succeeded. They're nothing special at all. You know, nothing happens. Um, But it's different today. You know, when I started out, there wasn't any illegal downloading and, you know, and it certainly wasn't a pandemic. So uh, get off the ground now. You just you got to musically grab people's attention somewhere, I guess. And then what about the, I mean, so so you have the, the good product. Say, okay, say you're a band. You you put together your your debut album or, or at least a good, you know, 45 minutes or an hour of good original music. You get it recorded. And then is it like the old days where you need to like build a community and start touring bit by bit and kind of growing some fire around your live shows? Um, Or does the internet help in any way to get your name out there, to get your music out there? And how is, what's, what's the difference now that, you can't really sell music anymore. You pretty much have to sell concerts, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, everything's internet based now, you know, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah. People can steal your music and not ever buy it, but with a click, they can reach, you can reach an audience as well, you know? So it's cool for that. You know, it's just a different time than when I started, you know, I'm lucky though, you know, I'm, in an established band and, and I don't have to fight, you know, the currents up river, you know, to try to like get my music heard. Um, you got to get a label that's willing to support you and you really got to be, you got to tour. You have to tour your ass off, you have to take every thing that's offered and you got to be willing to struggle, you know, because, you know, you're getting your first metal album out, chances are you're not going to be in a bus, you're going to be in a band and you're going to, be living on bologna sandwiches and shit like Exodus did, you know. Um, you know, I don't do van tours anymore. <laughs> I did that shit. You know, I need a bunk. I need to lay down and sleep. You and know? getting a label, what uh, any hacks or, or tips for finding a, a label? What are the good labels these days for metal that are that are hunting for new bands? I mean, you know, you got like our label, Nuclear Blast, that I've been with since 2003. You know, I've been one of the longest tenured artists in the label's history, I think. And um, I think Destruction's been there longer than we have and some others. But, you know, um, it's hard It's hard to say what gets a label's attention, you know, because um, every label's signed bands that I'm like, huh? I've seen bands like get the full weight of like booking agents and everybody behind them. And I see them and I'm like, I don't get it. You know, like, but maybe that's just me. You know, it's, it's a crapshoot. It's, it's, there's a little bit of luck involved as uh, as far as succeeding, you know, but also you got to do something on stage. There's a lot of bands that don't do shit. You know, they make great albums and you get to see them on stage and they're standing there looking at the shoes. You know, right. <laughs> Yeah, you got to do something, you know, it's fucking, you're not supposed to be standing up there like you're waiting for a bus. <laughs> Dope, man. All right. Well, uh, I'm fucking stoked about your, your new Exodus album. I can't wait to see that coming out. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty anxious. And, uh, I'll absolutely, if you guys are offering any VIP packages when you go on tour, I'll definitely be willing to invest in, in whatever you guys have going on i think i can do that (laughs) (laughs) i think that would be possible but yeah we'll do something like that but uh you know when it happens when are you coming to sultara man one of these days i'd love to do it it's got so much shit 
this uh, snowball effect of one thing after another coming up and all that, but uh, ready to come down and explore my mind. Lord knows I spent fucking years doing it just for fun. <laughs> right on, brother. Well, enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your summer and uh, best of luck with uh, with the album release and getting on tour and, you know, the elbows and everything else. Right on. Thanks, man. And I hope to see you at Salt Tower someday. Yeah. Well, you got Logan coming May, down for a visit, yeah. right? Yeah, hopefully. I've got a meet and greet with Philip H and Selma and the illegals tomorrow as well. They're doing like a live, a live uh, playthrough of vulgar display of Pantera and they got the, the meet and greet package. Yes. So I, I sign up for that. So I'm going to talk to Phil tomorrow too, and see if he yep. wants to maybe uh, make a rip to Costa Rica. Yeah. I don't know if it'd be his jam, but you can always ask. <laughs> All right. Right on, dude. I hope to hear from you. Peace out, bro. Hi, Daniel. All right, take care, man. Bye-bye. The Daniel Cleland Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Daniel Cleland Podcast. We truly enjoy you sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed sharing it with you, please like the episode, review the podcast, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, these likes and reviews and subscriptions are the lifeblood of our show. So free for you, super important for us. Like, subscribe, and review. Thank you so much. Of course, this podcast would not be possible without the continued amazing sponsorship of Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica. If you feel called to work with plant medicines, ayahuasca, shamanismo, curanderismo from Peru, from the Peruvian Amazons to Costa Rica, check out Soltara Healing Center at soltara.co or conveniently 1-800-397-1730 or look us up on social media at Soltara Healing Center. All kinds of great content nonstop coming out down the pike every day just for you. Thanks again so much for joining I appreciate it beyond words, and I look forward to doing many more of these episodes for you and connecting. If you want to reach out to me, there's a contact form on my website, danielcleland.com. Feel free to hit me up. I read every email and try to respond to all of them. Thanks again. Much love to you, and I hope we get to catch up soon. All the best.